So I'm only from Kerry Kerry. Isn't that boring? <laughs> well, it's good to be here. It's amazing technology today. This afternoon at one o'clock, I'm preaching in Thailand to a Pakistani church. Wow. I mean, how crazy is that? There's a whole bunch of Pakistanis who have been driven out of Pakistan because they believe in Jesus, and that's just where they're at. So. But as you know, those of you who do know me, we always have to have a few funnies before we preach. Is that all right? Yeah. We haven't got a screen up here, so I'll have to turn around this way. Oh, how do we get on? Love it. We got a PowerPoint? Yeah, I was visiting my daughter last night when I asked if I could borrow a newspaper. This is the 21st century, she said. We don't waste money on newspapers. Here we use my iPad. I can tell you that fly never knew what hit him. Yeah, they're a bit slow in this congregation, don't they, really? Never mind, we'll get there. Oh, hang on. Bed and breakfast. Kind of cute, isn't he? Yeah. Unfriending in the early years. Facebook's a lot kinder, isn't it? Oh, we jumped one. Oh, yeah. I signed up for an exercise class and was told to wear loose-fitting clothing. If I had loose-fitting clothing, I wouldn't have signed up to begin with. I mean, seriously? She said she missed me. Normally that would be good, but she was reloading. I'm only here because my wife thinks I need glasses. Yeah, okay. Me, I'm still tired from all the CrossFit this morning. My co-worker, it's pronounced croissant and you ate four. Where are you? I'm at the gym. Send a pic. All right, let's get serious. Your father's, a, your father, well, he is your father in a way. Your pastor's asked me to speak on family today. And um, I thought, well, I can talk to you about all sorts of tips to be a good father and a good mother and how to run a family, but then you know, that'd be hypocritical because I'm not doing any of those things. And so, no, I'm just serious, just joking. I said, Lord, what do you want to say to the people today? I thought, let's, let's, what I do is take Bible verses. So today I thought we'd look at the life of David and see how he did as a dad. Great king, did all sorts of stuff as a king, but how was he as a dad, all right? So firstly, devotions. It's interesting, it says here, Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I'm as a little child, I do not know how to go out or to come in. Now, we often think that Solomon asked for wisdom, and he did. But this was his prayer. He was saying, Father, I don't know how to come into the presence of God, hear your voice, and come out and rule the people. Yet he had seen his dad do it all the time. Amen? And you see, if you look back in the Bible, you can see that some of these guys, because they lived for so long, they saw generations and generations going into the tabernacle, getting into the presence of God. Now, devotions is my thing. I've taught devotions to promise keepers up and down this country for 30 years. But my daughter, Mary Rose, God challenged me when she was just a young girl that I was teaching everybody else in New Zealand, but I hadn't taught my own daughter. Same trap as David. 
And so Mary Rose wasn't too keen on reading the Bible at that time, but she was very keen on money. And so we offered her an incentive. (laughs) We said, if you'll manage 27 out of 31 days, here's how much money you'll get for your pocket money. And if you do all 31, there's there's a bonus. Well, she got a bonus every month. And uh, we've still got her devotional book because she used to draw pictures and whatever. And then one day she said to me, Dad, you don't have to pay me anymore. Wow. How good is that? Yeah. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have to, you know, incentivize your children, but we've got to do something to have devotions. I don't know what it looks like in your house, what you do for devotions. And there's no hard and fast rules as to what it looks like, but, you know, there's so many good books out there. You don't have to do it all. I think for us as men, we're not as good at doing it as you ladies. I'm just being honest out there. And so men, one of the ways you can lead in your house is say to your wife, you're doing devotions this week. (laughs) That's leading, isn't it? (laughs) You know, yeah. But, you know, seriously, there, there are books to be had. And you know what? Sometimes it's good to just get a passage of scripture. Just sit down and read it out say what do you think this says to you no right or wrong answers and just discuss it as a family is that a good thing some time around the table it might be a short time it might be a long time I don't think we want to get legalistic about this thing you know I remember I did the hour that changed the world and if I only prayed for 59 minutes I'd failed you know and now I just think let's just wait on God till he speaks and when he speaks time to go make sure he's finished speaking though Get caught up with that a few times. So my devotions this morning, I'm reading Haggai chapter 1, 2, and 3. And chapter 2, verse 4, hit me. He said, be strong, Jeff. I put my name in there because I want to personalize it. Be strong. Build the house, he said. And I became aware of a weakness in me that sometimes when there's opposition or I get offended, I say, well, it's my ball, I'm going home. You know, I'm not sharing anymore. Too bad for you guys. And God was showing me, he said, Jeff, you you can't be like that. Offences will come. You will get hurt. Be strong and build the house anyway. Amen? And so he was speaking to me. Because there's got to be personal application, don't you think? So that's my devotions this morning. So I think that David missed out on this one. Um, I'm hoping that for you, it's going to be different. Okay. Absentee dad. Well, the interesting thing with David was that he was off hiding in caves, fighting, doing all sorts of man stuff. And so he was not at home as often as he should have been. The reality is is that we can be an absentee dad, even an absentee mum, even when we're at home. Because we just don't engage with them. We're watching TV, we're doing work, we're busy with other stuff. We're actually home, but we're not there. Is that, is that true? Yes. Maybe some of us are going to have to repent afterwards. I don't know. Maybe. But you know what? Every boy wants to know, I'm going to let you do it, okay, because it just doesn't seem to be, we don't seem to be connecting. So if we could just go to the next. But every boy wants to know that his dad thinks he's okay. And every girl wants their dad to say, I think you're beautiful. Yeah. Folks, we've got to tell them. Yeah? yeah? I tell young girls that they're beautiful with my wife's permission because, do you know why? Because otherwise the wrong people are going to tell them. 
You know, I was just in a, in a, a trust meeting the other morning, and the girl who was serving us had just taken extra care to have a matching kind of a thing on her head, and she just looked great. And so I just took a moment as I was leaving just to say, hey, I want to compliment you today. I think you look absolutely fantastic. And she just reached out her very nicely manicured nails, touched me and said, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I think love sometimes can be spelt T-I-M-E. Don't you think so? It's just spending time with them. And I've learned that it's not about money. You know, I remember my kids, we, we moved up from the Bay of Plenty to Auckland and we moved into Takapuna and I became assistant pastor at Takapuna Assembly of God. And the area we lived in, the people had money. And I did not have money. And my kids quickly built friends and my friends got invited to birthday parties and they went to all of these places like chipmunks and whatever where it cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars to have a birthday party. So when it became their turn, they said, well, Dad, what are we going to do? And I said, well, no, we're not going. <laughs> and so I said, God, you've got to help me here. What are we going to do? So I had this idea. I think it was a God idea. I went round all of the Noel Lemmings and whatever, and I got all the refrigerator boxes that I could get, and I built a castle downstairs in the rumpus room. It took me till 2 o'clock in the morning to build this thing. But it had four turrets. It had refrigerator boxes going like this. It had a courtyard in the middle. And you had to get down on your hands and knees to get in and get into this thing. Well, when all Jeremy's friends came around and Faith's friends came around, we did their birthday parties together because all of our kids are born within a week of each other. Um, we had all these kids in there. And when Joanne, who had prepared this wonderful afternoon tea, the kids said, no, we, we want to we have it in the castle. So guess what? All the stuff had to come down from the table and we all gathered in the courtyard of the castle and ate it there. And they said, man, your dad's the best, you know. <laughs> You know, our dad only took us to chipmunks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking like, yeah, right. <laughs> but that's just time, isn't it? Yeah. Just building memories that are so essential for the family. What about discipline? Okay. Can we move along? Oh, she's gone altogether. Well, I'll have to do it. Hang on, I see why we've got a problem. It's all right. Here we go. We're Okay. Oh, okay. We need some sound. We'll go back. We'll try again. We have some sound this time. Here we go. This is from Promise Keepers in America. A child arrived just the other day he came to the world in the usual way But there were planes to catch and bills to pay He learned to walk while I was away And he was talking for I knew it And as he grew, he'd say I'm gonna be like you, Dad You know I'm gonna be like you And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man in the moon when you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when But we'll get together then You're gonna have a good time then My 
My son turned 10 just the other day He said, thanks for the ball, Dad, come on, let's play Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today, I got a lot to do He said, that's okay, and he walked away But his smile never dimmed and said I'm gonna be like him, yeah You know I'm gonna be like him And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man in the moon When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when But we'll get together then We're gonna have a good time then Well, he came from college just the other day So much like a man I just had to say Son, I'm proud of you can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile What I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys See you later, can I have them, please? And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man in the moon When you're coming home, son, I don't know when But we'll get together then We're gonna have a good time then I've long since retired, my son's moved away I called him up just the other day I said I'd like to see you if you don't mind He said I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu But it's sure nice talking to you, Dad It's been sure nice talking to you and as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me He'd grown up just like me My boy was just like me And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man in the moon When you're coming home, son, I don't know when But we'll get together then Yeah, we're gonna have a good time God bless you. Is that good? Anyone else convicted? Yeah, I sent my text, son, to my text straight after playing that to myself and saying, son, just want you to know I'm proud of you. Just think we need to take the time. He's in Auckland, I'm here. Got to do that. Is that right? Okay. Discipline. Proverbs. It says there, the, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Is that fair enough? Now, as you can see by here, I'm not talking about physical abuse. I'm not talking about being angry and belting people. We're not talking about that, are we? No. I'm talking about discipline. Look at David here. David's son's going off track, and the Bible says... He never even bothered to ask him a question, what are you doing? Does that say lack of communication to you? It's pretty sad. And I've learned, I've been a school teacher before I went to the ministry, and kids want you to be fair, 
They want you to be reasonable, and they want you to be consistent. Okay? I think for all of our family stuff, that's what our kids are looking for. That's what we're going to do. Be fair, be reasonable and consistent. And my wife would add a little bit here. It's good to explain why we're doing what we're doing. Just say, this is who we are as a family. This is what we believe in. And this is why this is happening. Does that make sense to you? So that we explain it to them because that's the way that they learn. We know this verse very well. Train up a child in the way that he will go and he will not depart from it. It's interesting that that word train here means to initiate or to discipline. Isn't that interesting? It means to discipline. I believe that each one of us function better with boundaries. Would you agree with that? And you have to work out whether it's going to be punishment or praise. It's very interesting. My daughter was causing me some problems, and it seemed that all I was ever doing was telling her off. And I got so desperate at one stage, I got on my knees and said, God, what do I do? He said, start praising her. I thought, that's going to be difficult because there ain't much to praise for at the moment. But anyway, I looked for things. I even praised her for something that her brother did. (laughs) She took that as well. I mean, seriously. But you know what? Within a week, her behavior turned around. You know, and I remember something interesting when I was teaching in my second year of teaching. The deputy principal, who always has to do the discipline, just came in one day and he said, that's it. He said, I'm sick of looking after all the bad kids and disciplining them. He said, I'm only going to focus on the kids who want to work from this day forward. And he said, these bad kids? He said, you send them to me by all means. But he said, I'm going to sit there. I'm not even going to talk to them. And guess what? These kids learned within one week that if they wanted to get the attention that they used to get by misbehaving, they now had to get by behaving because he wasn't interested in them anymore. Isn't that fascinating? Praise. I put something up there very interesting. And in Australia, some of the ranches there are so big, you can't fence them. So the way they keep their animals under control is they build wells. Water. They come for the praise. They come for the positive thing. Amen? And if I can say this, the Holy Spirit is always attracted by what? Praise. What pushes them away? Complaining. Criticism. Does that make sense to you? Somehow we've got to build that praise into the whole area of discipline in our family. All right, passivity. Does anyone know what passivity means? You're not doing anything. You're not doing anything. Oh, we'll skip one. It says the King David heard what happened. He was very angry. So what? What did he do about it? Absolutely nothing. He was angry, but he took no action. Now, this started in the garden with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were in the garden. The serpent comes along talks to Eve, and Adam's standing right there. Now, if Adam had been Asian, it wouldn't have been a problem. He would have killed the snake and eaten it. (laughs) But he wasn't. And so he stood there and watched what happened. What should he have done? Chopped his blooming head off. Got rid of it. Dealt with it. But he didn't do it. 
Now, I went up to Promise Keepers. One of the things that I loved about Promise Keepers was every year I used to travel up to the Speakers Summit, and all the best speakers that they had at Promise Keepers would come together for three days, and we would go through every one of the sessions that we were doing for PK, and one of the speakers would speak it, and we would critique him. Amazing. I got to critique the best speakers in America. I never said a word, actually. I just sat there and went, wow. But <laughs> my, uh, other people had some things to say. Anyway, I remember standing at the coffee machine, and Coach McCartney was at the coffee machine with me, and we're both, both getting a coffee, and he says to me, Jeff, he said, Ed Cole's not here. I said, I oh, know, he's, he's sick. He said, yeah, I know, but he's the next speaker. He said, what am I going to do? And he reached over and he grabbed this young fellow and he said, you're on next. You've got five minutes to prepare. You're speaking about passivity. This guy got up and spoke on passivity. And when he had finished, Coach McCartney turned around to me because he just happened to be sitting in front of me. He said, just imagine if the guy had, had time to prepare. Yeah. And it so impacted me because he said, you know, we allow things to come into our home. He said, we wouldn't allow a thief to come. And if a thief came there, we'd get a baseball bat or whatever we'd do. He said, but we let things come in through the TV screen. We let things come in through the internet. And it so impacted me. When I came home, I moved our computer screen into a place where it was completely visible so that our kids could never hide what they were watching. And I dealt with that problem. And my wife had had a to-do list for me, which was going pale and getting hard to read because of passivity in my life. And I started on that list on number one, and I worked my way through it until I got to the end, at which time Joanne said, I don't know what's happened to you, but if going to America has that kind of effect, you can go every time you like. Go, go once a week if need be. She was pretty excited about it. But you know what? It made an impact on me. To this day, to this day, what I find that to this day, I try and do one little thing that I put off yesterday. You know, this just hasn't been done. I'll just get up and I'll purposely go to it because we can be incredibly passive with our kids and think, oh, it'll be okay, but it won't. Does that make sense to you? Do you think it's a problem in New Zealand? I think it's a big problem. And it's something that once we become aware of, I do a whole message on how to get rid of passivity, but we haven't got time for that today. Okay, next one. Yeah, no, we're okay. Sorry, you'll have to click it on. Something's happened. I don't know why it suddenly decided to not work. But we're talking about reconciliation. 2 Samuel 13, 37. And David mourned many days for his son Ammon. Absalom fled to his grandfather Talmai, the son of the Amahud, the king of Geshur. He stayed there in Geshur for three years. And David, now reconciled to Amnon's death, longed to be reunited with his son. He longed to be reunited. What did he do about it? Absolutely nothing. For three years, he did absolutely nothing. He wanted to be reunited. Can you click down again, please? Wanted to be reunited. And I want to say reconciliation starts with us. One of us has to take a first step. Is that true? And the other person has to take a step in response. Yes? Now, I don't know, see if we're working again. Yes, it is. I want to go back to Promise Keepers again. Promise Keepers in uh, Denver. 
put on a special week-long event for pastors. Actually, it was three days. And I went to it because the topics were absolutely amazing. When I got there, they never taught on any of the topics that they advertised, which was a bit upsetting because I'd spent a lot of money to get to Denver. They spoke about reconciliation for the whole three days. And they did it incredibly well. But many, many people were very angry because they'd spent a lot of money going to Denver to get what they had and hadn't advertised. At the end of three days, I was pretty angry because I'd gone up to learn about all these things that they were going to teach us as pastors about men's ministry, and we never did one of them. But what they did do is on the very first day, there was a wall right down the middle of the stage. And after every session, they took down some of the bricks of the wall. And over three days, they took down that wall. And guess what they built? A bridge. Yeah, get over it. But what he was really saying was that the walls that are dividing us, we need to take those stones of offence and make them into the stepping stones of a bridge of reconciliation. And on the last day, I suddenly stopped being angry and I said, Lord, I didn't get what I came for, but I've got the message. Amen? Take the stepping stones of your offence, that wall of offence, and use them as stepping stones to reconciliation. Is that a good thing? Wow. And so I know in my own life that there's been times where there's been hurt. And do you know what I've learned? I've learned that if I take the humble route and say, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? Most people are prepared to do that. I remember being in a situation where when we planted our church, uh, we started to do outreach into K Road to the prostitutes. And on the first night we were there, we met in McDonald's for prayer and we sent them out and there was just one person on the team who was a bit new and so we stayed behind and I was just talking to this one person because they were a bit scared. And one of my team members came back, Malcolm Palu, Malcolm came back and said, um, Jeff, uh, a bit of a problem. I said, what's that? He said, we're talking to one of the prostitutes and going really well. And then she said, well, what church do you come from? And we told her, Eden Assembly of God. And she said, who's the pastor? We said, Jeff Wicklin. He said, that bastard, I'll kill him when I see him. So my congregation are wondering, one, how do I know a prostitute? And what did I do to upset her? Um, a bit of an awkward situation. So I went out to see her and I greeted her by her name because I knew her. And she said, oh, don't call me that. That's, that's, that's my real name. She said, I have a different name on the street. And I said, look, I understand from Malcolm that you're upset with me. I said, what, what, what's the problem? And her boyfriend had died and I'd taken the funeral. And I had said something that she had misconstrued. And so I said to her, I said, Cookie, called her by a street name. I said, Cookie, I said, what I meant by what I said was this. But I said, I can see that it's caused offence. Would you, would you please forgive me? She said, well, since you've been big enough to say sorry. She said, okay. All right. I'll take your Mars bar and I'll take your coffee and I'll come to your church. <laughs> Today, she is saved and she is the voice of ex-prostitutes to government. How good is that? Amen. Yeah. Reconciliation starts with us just taking the first step. 
and Malcolm was really relieved. Same city, no contact. It's interesting that in 2 Samuel 14.28, Absalom lived in Jerusalem for two years, but he never got to see the king. Isn't that amazing? I believe with family, we need to be intentional about making things happen. Does that make sense? And once again, there's no hard and fast rules because today we are all over the place. I remember one of the things I admired about Bill Sabrisky was his family would get together every second Friday night at his house. He'd buy the whole lot KFC or he would have a meal cooked or whatever. But the family came and that night was booked in the calendar. You had to have an, a note that said you had malaria or appendicitis or something to not be there because Bill said so. Amen? How good is that? It doesn't work for me because I've got one in Tapuki and one in West Auckland and one in further out West Auckland. It's difficult. And so you and I have got to be intentional about how do we make family happen? How do we organise to be with that? If you've got younger ones at home, it's easy. But I just really want to get across the message that we need to be intentional because you can be in the same house and still not have any contact. Isn't that true? And I want to speak to the older folk today. Yes, Andrew, smile if you like. <laughs> I've called it um, ending poorly. I, I probably thought about it this morning as I was reading over my notes. I should have called it finishing well, really. But David never ever made it plain that Solomon was to take over from him. He never communicated that. He told his wife. But he ends up with a situation where one of his other sons is trying to take the throne and it's all happening. Things weren't communicated. And I want to say to you that each one of you needs to have a will. doesn't matter whether you're old or young. You need to have a will. Otherwise, you'll lose money. And if I could say this, it would be really great if people knew what your wishes were. Because I have taken how many funerals and seen how many arguments afterwards because we tend to be materialistic and we want stuff. Isn't that true? A friend of mine who's older, he's in his 70s, he's just completed his latest will, and what he did was he invited all his kids around for dinner, and he read the will to them so there's no surprises. And he said, this is what you are not getting. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No, he's quite a wealthy guy, so there's, there's some stuff to be divided up. But there's no surprises. I don't know about you, but you know, my family, no one ever talked about the will. I never knew until Dad had been dead for three days what was going to happen. Because we just don't talk about it. Or why, what's the secret? You know? Yeah. What do you think? Is that all right? I think we're just a bit of communication is really what we're talking about. And then some good advice. David gives some advice to Solomon. It's a bit self-motivated, but... Here it is. He says, I'm going where everyone on the earth must someday go. Take courage and be a man. Is that a good advice? Yeah. I think we need that all the time. Yeah. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow his ways. Keep his decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in what? Everything that you do. Isn't that amazing? And wherever you go. If you do this, then the Lord will keep his promise he made to me. He told me, if your descendants live as they should, they will follow me faithfully with all their heart and soul. One of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. 
man, I think that you and I just need to continually get this message across to our kids. If you walk in the ways of God, life is a lot simpler. Isn't that true? So good. Then David carries on his advice. Another whole passage there. And this is all about how to deal with David's enemies. I think you should put this one to death and you should do this to that one and whatever. And there's quite a bit of stuff in there. But you know what? I thought about that and I thought, you know, you and I as parents actually need to tell our kids how to deal with the people who are the bullies and the difficult people as well. Sound reasonable? Because I don't know about you, but my kids got bullied at school and I just told them how to deal with it. And it's interesting, I said violence wasn't the answer, but I can think of Jeremy on one occasion where his friend, who was really small, kept getting bullied by this other guy, and Jeremy decided that two are better than one, and he just, as this other kid was getting bullied, just stepped up beside him and said, if you're picking on him, you're picking on me as well. Are you ready for it? Now, he didn't have to use violence, but just the fact that there was two on one. Jeremy was a popular boy in there, so the bully didn't want to upset the popular boy in the class. And so sometimes it just about the kids working it out, but you give them some kind of strategy to work things through. Is that okay? Okay. David loved his wife. Isn't that a good thing? Says that if you want to do the best thing for your children, you should love your wife. The trouble is, he loved his wife so much that he had a few of them. (laughs) Yeah, well, okay. We won't talk too much about that. But here's the problem. He also loved somebody else's wife. That is a problem, isn't it? Just read this statement here. Oops. Basically, I have counselled a number of men and women who have cheated on their spouse. And every single one of them has said, Jeff, if I had known the pain I would cause my children and cause myself, I would never have done it. Can you learn from someone else's mistake? Don't go there. The fear of God says, I am not going to do anything that will bring shame on the name of my Lord. Because it's his name that gets hurt. Does that make sense? And look what I've closed it with here. Trust and integrity is what marriage is built on. True? And you just got to build that. You just actually have got to say, listen, for one little bit of stolen pleasure... The pain is going to be so great, it's never, ever worth it. Plus, I'm going against what God said. It's just not worth it. Is that straight? Now, put any song there, and you say, well, what's John Denver got to do with all that? I listened to an interview with John Denver. Do we all know any song? You know that John Denver was on the road doing all the concerts or whatever, and he realized he came home and his wife gave him both barrels and said, you know, blah, 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 and what sort of a husband, I'll never see you, and whatever. And so he was driving to yet another concert, and he stopped, and he wrote Annie's song. And he gave her the song. But on the interview, he's talking about the fact that his marriage failed in the end, and he said, you know what, I wrote her that song, but she didn't need a song, she needed me. Wow. John Denver had an affair with the stage. And the traveling and the music was more important than his wife. Yeah. wasn't another woman, it was another gig. 
And it's so easy for us to be unfaithful even in that situation. I wanted to just quickly touch on blended families because David obviously had a blended family because he had so many wives. Um, and just five things that came to me about that. One is you've got to res have respect that in those things you're coming from different backgrounds, respect for one another is incredibly important and for the rules and where they come from. And you can't afford to have favourites. Would you agree with that? They've all come up. And I believe that in a blended situation there's extra love and extra grace required. Actually, in some of our families there's extra grace required anyway. Would that be true? Some of our own kids can, can, can do that. And there is a wisdom. Someone in our prayer meeting this morning was saying, Lord, we asked for wisdom. I think it was Debs. And I thought, that's what we need, in actual fact. In our family situations, when we don't know what to do, and we haven't read the right book, let's ask God, he'll tell you. And you have to work at it. You know, marriage is something that, you, you, it's like a car. If you don't maintain your car, it breaks down. Same with your, your marriage. My wife and I are off to a marriage seminar in Tauranga shortly. Now, I teach marriage seminars. But why do I go? It's not that I'm going to learn anything new because I've been to them four or five times before. But you know what? It'll remind myself. My wife always comes back and says, it's amazing how much Jeff learns at these things. <laughs> yeah. I normally put that joke on here, but today I've taken it on me. Right? Now, if you speak to the fathers and the mothers, you've all seen the blessing book of Richard Brunton, right? I know your pastors bought them and whatever. And... Um, you know what, there's over 17 million of those things in print in 39 different languages. In Zambia, they've been used to lead 100,000 people to Christ. The leader of the army in the Congo ordered 90,000, which he paid for, because after reading the book, he said, I can no longer torture and beat people. I have to bless them. And he's given one to every one of his soldiers in order to turn them around as well. How good is that? Pretty neat. I could tell you stories anyway. But you know what? We need to lay hands and bless our children. That sound reasonable? And it's, it's a father's job, but mother's also. In Richard's book, he's also got a mother's blessing. And the reality is that we need to do it. And I, I think you can do it more than once. Would you agree? So the Bible gives us a great clue in that. And what we're really doing is we're calling forth their destiny we're calling forth their future. And it's amazing, you know. And what I find incredible about the blessing thing is that if you say to someone, can I pray for you, they're often a bit suspect. But if you say, can I bless you, they never say no. <laughs> Richard and I were just in a restaurant uh, Thursday week ago. And when we finished the meal, the Samoan girl who was serving us, I said, look, may I, may I bless you? She said, oh, certainly. And I laid my hands on her and, and I have to confess, I didn't bless her, I prophesied over her. And I read her mail, and she just burst into tears. And she cried and cried and cried. And then Richard blessed her. And as we left, we saw her friends just hugging on her. And I thought, well, that's not a good way to leave, leaving the poor girl weeping all over the place. But never mind. I went back on Friday night because I just wanted to see she was okay. And she ran up to me and hugged me. And she said, you just made my day. She said, you made my day. How good is that? So we have the opportunity to make our kids' day. Look for opportunity to bless them. Bless them for their exams, whatever it is. So what have we covered today? number of things. Devotions. 
There we go. Have them as a family. And like I said, men, if you need to, just tell your wife she's on duty next week. You might learn something from that. Um, be there for one another. Discipline. Make sure you're in agreement on that. Nothing worse than if the wife tells them off and then the husband says, oh, I think you're being a bit too hard. Don't ever do that in front of your kids, by the way. Sort that out later on afterwards. But be in a place of agreement on that. And passivity. Who, who feels the need to repent of that today? I'm thinking of a couple of jobs that I need to repent of. It's just you and me, David. We're the only honest ones, I think. All the rest of them are too passive to put their hands up. <laughs> Build a bridge, not a wall. Bless your children. Does that sound reasonable? Let's pray. Father, we want to just put ourselves as clay on your potter's wheel today. Lord, you centre us right in the middle of your will. Lord, make the adjustments. And Lord, you make us. Lord, you build these families of this church into what you want them to be. And Lord, we've covered a few things today. And Father, we pray for your help to just get around your word, to be there for one another. Lord, to not be absent. Lord, to discipline according to your rules. And Lord, to not be passive, but to be strong and courageous. And Lord, where we need to take a step of offence and turn it into the step of reconciliation, help us. And Lord, let us look for opportunities to bless one another, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name.